We're in a series of messages called Some Assembly Required, and we're taking some time to work on the relationships in our lives. Uh, when Jenny and I got married, uh, we had been registered at stores. Basically, it's kind of a subtle way of telling people, please buy me things. I love, you know, it's kind of crass, really. You send out the invitations like, hey, we're registered here. I'm not saying you need to, but it'd be nice. And we <laughs> took the liberty of picking out a few things you know, for you. Here they are. It's kind of a funny tradition, but... But it involves a running around the Target store with a, a laser gun. You know, it's, it's like this is the best part of wedding planning for me, really. You know, I was like, what do you think about this for the invitation? Like, I don't really care. Uh, what do you think about running around Target with a gun? Uh, I like that. That sounds good. So we did that and uh, registered for some things. One of the things we were given that we registered for was a, a Coleman camping lantern. And this is 13 years ago, and we've used it twice. Um, <laughs> I, I'm joking a few more times than that, but... Yeah, right around there. Uh, and 13 years later, you know, it, it has, has some miles on it. It's age for, for sure in it. And it's one of the few things uh, we were thinking, uh, this one of the few things we were given for our wedding that still is, is in good working order. I guess that's a good sign that we've been, you know, married long enough to, like, wear through the plates, wear through the forks, wear through, you know, you, you hang on to that last chip mug, and it's like, okay, that's gone. That's like the end of an age, guys. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but the lantern, I think, honestly, is one of the last holdouts from, from, from our wedding gifts. And so, you know, because the crystal cross and all that stuff, we threw that away immediately. You know, I got 97 crystal crosses. I don't know what. What's the deal with that? For like, you're married. Here's some, something ugly. Uh, so it's great. Um, so, you know, the camping lantern, if anyone watching on the podcast bought me a crystal cross 13 years ago, I'm just playing. We love it. It's right above our, t- our, our mantle. Um, so... You know, the ceramic praying hands, the things that you get from people who are kind and well-intentioned. So uh, what was I saying? I'm like offending people trying to talk about relationships. We don't want to hear this series from you, pal. Um, So we went out camping and went to turn the lantern on. And one of the light bulbs uh, didn't didn't, didn't turn on. And I told Jen, I said, oh, yeah. Hope this thing's not like significant to our relationship. Like we throw this away, it's like a, like a voodoo doll or something. Like our marriage goes into the you know the rocks after this. We get rid of it. Uh, but uh, but we brought it with us on a camping trip. One light. It's like it's not going to give a lot of light, but it's going to give a little light. So um, went to turn it on uh, when the sun went down and no light at all came out. And I said, that's it. It's gone. Writing's this thing's over. I mean, you plug it in the cigarette lighter and you know and, and you get it juiced up. It's electric. You can't like buy new propane for it. So I said, this party's over. This lantern's going. It, w- it was already gone in my heart. In my heart, it was thrown away. I love throwing stuff away. In my heart, gone. This thing is gone. And uh, I was telling my kids about it and I grabbed it to show them it was broken. And as I did, I noticed, because I grabbed it by the top instead of by the handle, I noticed that the top had a little play to it. And I hadn't noticed that before. And so I was like, what's this? And I went to turn it. And when I did, the whole top came off, and I saw that you could actually pull out the light bulbs. It hadn't occurred to me before that perhaps that was a possibility. I just assumed once you couldn't work it anymore, you had to throw it away and buy a new one. And so I was, I was mystified. I was like, what's this? I pull these out, and it's like, and literally it was written there, to, 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 uh, to, to re-install you know, the light bulbs, go buy more of them, dummy. Don't throw it away. That's what it said. It said it right there. I was like, Coleman, that's kind of rude, but whatever. It's fine. And, and here's what it just, it, it hit me as I was going through this. You know, I think sometimes the moment something stops working in a relationship like it's supposed to work, we're tempted just to, to throw the whole relationship out. 
we're tempted to think something's wrong with this relationship. It's no good. It's, it's a little dim. Let me tell you something. It's not a little dim. You just need to buy some new light bulbs. It just, you just need some work on. Don't go throwing the marriage out to get a new one. It, the new one after 13 years is going to have the same problems as this one or after two years as this one. Don't throw, that's what this series is about. Don't throw the relationship out just because it needs work. Get yourself down to the hardware store and buy some new bulbs. Maybe the problem isn't as bad as you previously thought. No light, no good, right? New bulb, much better. And so that's kind of what we've been talking about. If you're just joining us now, we're trying to make it as practical as possible by giving a tool every week that can apply to every relationship. So it wasn't our intention to specialize, OK, here's the idiosyncrasies of this one. Here's, here's how you approach that one. Uh, but, but rather, to give sort of more universal tools that if we can master them, they would make us uh, better at, at any relational context we find ourselves in. And we saved the best for last in many ways. So you've got to come next week. The tool that we're going to unpack will help out so much. I can't wait for you to hear the message that we have prepared for you there. But this week, we're going to talk about the tool of gratitude. And if you have a Bible, uh, join me in Proverbs chapter 11. We're based out of the book of Proverbs because it's been called a manual for wise living or a manual for skillful living. So if we're going to look at the manual... We need to know in advance. It's going to tell us there's some tools that we're going to need. To do this job, you'll need this, you'll need this, you'll need this. And so as you join me in Proverbs 11, the tool is gratitude. And the title of the message is Stick and Slide. Stick and Slide. Stick and Slide. Proverbs 11. Here's what God's Word says. It says, the one who seeks good finds delight. The student of evil becomes evil. One more time. You want to say it out loud with me? The one who seeks good finds delight. The student of evil becomes evil. Those who study the mind say that we humans have what's called a negativity bias. A negativity bias. What that means is, in your mind, as you weigh things... Hard things, bad things, difficult things, they weigh more than good things. If you go through a bad experience, your mind registers that on the scale with sort of like its thumb on the scale a little bit. How much does that weigh? Well, you're pushing down on it. So the scale will say it weighs this. It doesn't weigh that much, but your negativity bias reads a negative experience as being heavier than it really is and heavier than a positive experience. And to to think about that, you know, explains what you see when you read reviews. The bad ones, they'll go on for pages. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you everything that was wrong with the hotel room. They'll tell you everything bad that happened, right? And then there's some really good ones, but most of the people who just had okay experiences probably didn't bother to leave a review because it didn't weigh that much. How many times have I rented a car in my life? I have no idea. I can't tell you about most of them, but I know this. About a month ago, I rented a car, and every time I tried to drive, it said trunk open and beeped at me. And I got out of the car, and I said, I don't think it is. But just to be sure, I will open it. Now it is, shut it, and then I will continue driving down the road. And this only happened every time I got in the car. 
If, if you were on the 91 freeway in Southern California about a month ago and you saw a guy shutting a trunk over and over again, and, and that, that, I, that was me. That was, that was a terrible experience. I could tell you what shirt I was wearing. I could tell you the color of the car. I could tell you how I was feeling, angry, right? It was a significant experience to me. And so there's so much about it that's vivid to me because of my negativity bias. And so it comes to relationships. You have to know this about yourself. You will tend to put a greater weight on the bad things that happen to you in a relational context. Uh, psychologist Rick Hansen, he says that when, when, when this um, happens, you could understand it this way. Your brain is like Velcro for bad stuff, but it's like Teflon for good stuff. You'll go through bad things, and it sticks to you because Velcro sticks. But, but when you experience good stuff, it's far easier to forget it. It's far easier to not remember that it happens. And so what we can do if we're not careful is we can uh, underestimate how much good comes out of a relationship, and we can overestimate the bad aspects of it just because they are stronger on our minds. Okay, so, so here's, here, here's what you need to understand about that. It's a vicious cycle, though. Why? First point, you see more of what you search for. You see more of what you search for. Or as the, the verse that we just read says, he who seeks good finds delight. What you're looking for, you're going to find. What you go out looking to see, you'll find it somewhere. Okay, so, so because it's heavier, you think about it more often, but because you're thinking about it more often, you're seeing more of it. Why? Because your brain's always trying to help you out. Your brain's always trying to help you out. It's trying to chunk together activities into habit for you and create a file on it called, when this is triggered, do that. And it's trying to help you out and, and, and so compress down things you do a lot into little files that it can execute without you thinking about it. Uh, the other day, I was with my wife. She was driving. And, and I said, pull around the front of the house and, and don't go up the back. And, and she, she goes, OK. And then she just went right to the back of the house. I was like, honey, what? remember you said okay to the front? She was like, I know. Oh, yeah, I'm at the back of the house. It's like, yeah, because that's just where she, she, her, her mind, she just booted up her file called Go Home, and it took over from there. So your brain's always studying what you're doing, always studying uh, what you're watching, always studying anything you see. And anything you, it sees you thinking about a lot, it, it tries to help you out by, by, by showing you more of that. Because it thinks, oh, they like that. Okay, quick, quick illustration. Think about the last time you bought a car. Before you did, did you lot, read a lot of reviews about it? Watch some YouTube videos about it? Re research it thoroughly, right? What did you notice happened for about two or three weeks after you bought that car? Man, it seems like everybody in the world drives that car. It's weird. <laughs> uh, man, I didn't realize Sienna was such a popular minivan. Well, it is the only minivan in America with all-wheel drive. That makes sense. They're everywhere. I see them everywhere. <laughs> There's the exact same amount of Toyota Siennas on the road as there was a year ago. I mean, I mean there may probably more or less. I actually don't actually know about that. I'm, I'm just saying... There's probably the same amount as before you got interested in them. 
but because your mind saw that you were looking at a lot of pictures about them, looking on them on Craigslist, reading about it on Kelly's Blue Book, buying some on Auto Trader, you, you, it, your brain was like, whoa, this guy, I know, I know what he's going to like. I know what she is interested in. She loves herself a Toyota Sienna. And so as you're driving down the road, it's going, there's one, there's one, there's one, and he's in one, right? And you're like, that is crazy. It's because you're seeing more of what you searched for. Your brain helps you find whatever you're focused on. So if you're seeking after negativity, if you're looking to be hurt, if you're looking to be proved right that your brother is always rude, your brain's going to be scanning, scanning, scanning to find him rude. And the moment it sees it, it's going to go, that, that was rude right there. And you're walking in looking for it. Guess what? You're going to find whatever you're looking for. And so you're going to see more of it because it's what you're looking for. The world is going to prove you right that everyone is inconsiderate if that's what you're hoping to see. So just know that about yourself. Also know this. The search isn't just the problem. Yes, you're going to see more of it once you start searching for it. But what happens to you in the midst of the search should also concern you highly. To look at the text again, the real emphasis here is not just what you're going to find when you're looking for it, but what it does to you. Look at the text. The one who seeks good finds delight. Awesome. Okay, but now let's look at the second half of that. The student of evil, say the next word out loud with me, becomes evil. Be very careful of becoming an expert of how mean the world is towards you, of how rude your boss is towards you. Always coming in five minutes before five o'clock on a Friday with a new project that's going to take me an hour to do. That's just how he is. So if you live that way, not only are you going to see more of what it is that you're looking for, but you're also, listen to me very carefully, in the end, you're going to look like what you look for. And that's the scary part. The student of evil doesn't just find a lot of evil. The student of evil becomes evil. What that means is that you are going to become characterized by what you're preoccupied with. So if you launch into your relationships, if you launch into another day at work, if you go to your family reunion looking for reasons to get hurt, believing that you're going to be treated badly, assuming the worst about everybody, not only are you going to be right that they are, but you're going to do the exact same thing that you're hoping they're not going to do towards you. Only it's going to seem worse and you're going to be oblivious to it. Why? Because the sins that we struggle with always look uglier on other people. But when you already have already decided in your mind that they're going to be annoying, okay, that person's annoying, that character's annoying. Have they ever heard of Listerine? I mean, hello, it's the year 2017. Halitosis, anybody, like they're annoying. They don't have good hygiene. They're lazy. They're sloppy. My, this coworker always does this. Okay, so listen, you're going to get annoyed thinking about how annoying they are. And what's that? You're not going to be at your best. So you're going to be annoying to other people. This is how, as parents, we can end up yelling at our kids to calm down, right? It's like, wait a minute. 
but you're so mad. How are you telling me not to be mad? We end up becoming evil because we made ourselves a student of evil. We were looking for it. We were hoping to get hurt. We were waiting to get wounded. But you can never be a victor and a victim at the same time. So you're walking in guarded. You're walking in defensive. You're walking in edgy, assuming they're going to do it. So you almost beat them to the punch doing the thing that you're thinking they're going to do. And this would be awesome to preach on if I wasn't so personally convicted by it. (laughs) But it's true. We become like what we look for. Okay? And that's why we need to choose to use the tool of gratitude. Let me tell you what gratitude will do. Gratitude will coach you in Teflon when it comes to getting hurt. And gratitude will coach you with Velcro. This is industrial strength Velcro. This is awesome. Gratitude will, will cover you with Velcro when it comes to the good things that are done to you. It'll make you sticky where you need to be sticky. And it'll make you slide where you need to be slippy. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's pretty preaching. You need to learn how, when to stick. And you need to learn when to slide. You need to learn when to stick. You need to learn when to slide. You need to learn when to let things just slide off of you. you I'll tell you, Teflon is amazing. You could spray Teflon. Let's say you're a parent and you want to go sledding with your kids in the winter. You could coat coat the bottom of your sled, Clark Griswold. Actually, it was Cousin Eddie, right, who actually paid for that. No, it was Clark Griswold. Cousin Eddie, he he wouldn't do it because he had something in his plate in his head. And Clark, anyhow, Clark Griswold, he was, you know, I'm telling you, you make stuff slippery, like, like a non-stick, you know, pants. I would just slide off of it. And that's what you need to do to yourself when it comes to insults, when it comes to criticism, when it comes to people being rude and treating you badly, people who are selfish, people who are thoughtless, people who are hostile, people who are passive aggressive, people who are needy, people who are whatever it is that bugs you. I'm telling you, coach yourself in that Teflon when it comes to that. Why? Because 1 Peter 4, 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. So ask God to give you greater love for him. Ask God to give you compassion for him. I'm telling you, when you do this, you, you, you'll, you'll, start to, you'll start to see thought bubbles pop above people's heads. I'm telling you, this, when you get this all up on your soul, before you go to where you get this all love, love for people to bug you all up on you, I'm telling you, you're going to start to see thought bubbles above their heads, because they're going to be mean to you, but you're going to hear above their head, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my value. They're, they're going to be they're going to be cranky, and you're going to hear above their head, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, I don't feel loved right now, and I, I'm hurt right now, and I'm confused, I'm lashing out because I'm hurt, because hurt people hurt people, right? But healed people can heal people. And so if we had that love on our soul, if we had that grace of all up under us, we we, we can be supported to do things that wouldn't be our normal reaction. You've got you to gotta remember the power of, of having that grace of Jesus Christ over your soul. Look what Proverbs 15, 15 says. It says, a miserable heart means a miserable life, but a cheerful heart fills the day with Song. We just have to have that grace that, that comes from within us. It can't be an external thing. We're just going to try harder. It's got to come from your heart. And only Jesus can do what he wants to do inside your heart. But that grace that marks you, it'll cause you to live a life of gratitude. So, so who should we show gratitude to? Who in our lives do we need to be better at putting Velcro on? Because I'm telling you, the cool thing about Velcro is it can make stuff sticky. I bought this. It's industrial strength Velcro. It, you can make anything you want sticky. You know, I need to, it's, it can hold 10 pounds. 
the picture on the box has someone putting a, a Velcro on a rake to stick it on a wall. I don't know why anybody would ever need that. I cannot think of a single scenario in which I would need Velcro on a rake. But it could hold it, right? I'm going to make this sticky. I don't want this to be. Let me tell you something. When you say the words thank you to somebody, it causes you to put a greater weight on that thing that you would be easily forgetting about. And so you're choosing to be intentional to be sticky. So I'm going to write that thank you. Now. I'm going to send that thank you text. I'm going to write that thank you. I'm going to write that review because I had a great experience. I'm going to go tell the manager at her. Hey, that car was awesome. That trunk didn't suck. Thanks a lot. Last time, horrible. This time, you killed it. You nailed it. We make sure to tell people when there's a hair in our food, let's just say, hey, can I see the manager? Can I see the chef? This meal was amazing. I'm going to totally tell. I'm just, let's live that way. Let's be stickier about life going well, right? So we don't forget it. I, I wrote down some questions. You up for some questions? Here's a question. What kind of thing has someone in your life done that you haven't thanked them for yet? Man, did someone do anything, help you out, hook you up, open a door, bless you in some way? Write them a thank you note this week. Here's another question. What new way can I express gratitude I felt for a long time in a fresh way? If someone does something a bunch of different times in a row, let me tell you something. Thank them in a fresh way. I mean, you think about this, the negativity bias and what that does. Your wife does your laundry all the time, maybe. Or your husband does your laundry all the time for you. Or your kids do your laundry all the time for you. No one does laundry and your clothes are smelling. I don't know. There's lots of scenarios, I guess. But, but think about it. You only really have communication about it, perhaps, when something goes wrong. That time you asked for that special shirt to be washed, and it wasn't. The time you asked for him to pick up that dress for you from the dry cleaners, and he didn't, you don't say anything about all the times it goes well. So maybe there's a new way you need to say thank you that's going to feel fresh for something that's been done a thousand times. That's how you can get to year 13, year 17, year 27. You can keep having your gratitude feel fresh and not forced even when it's being done over and over again. I I wonder what fresh way you could say thank you. Here's something. What blesses me that someone does that maybe they would do more of if they knew how much it meant to me? Because people repeat what they get praised for. So maybe there's something they would do more of it. They don't know it means anything to you because you don't ever express that gratitude. Speak up. Say something. That was awesome. I really appreciate that. That helped me win you. Or here's one. Who in my life helps me that I'm taking for granted? Let's be intentional about making sure they know they're making a difference. You never know what it can mean to them. They might be struggling. That teacher, they, they work hard at teaching, and it's hard to get the motivation. But for you to say, hey, just so you know, Johnny, he's third grade. You really are making a difference in his life. Thank you so much. Here's a Starbucks gift card. Here's an Applebee's gift card. Have a meal on me because you're being a big part of my child growing up. It's making a difference. That might come to them at exactly the point when they were feeling like I'm a complete failure, and all of a sudden they read this. They're with tears in their eyes going, I can get up again tomorrow because somebody expressed some gratitude. I'm just telling you, it, it could be used in a huge way. This isn't flattery. Don't hear what I'm saying wrong. This isn't flattery. Flattery's for you and offends them. Gratitude's for them, but blesses you. I'm telling you, there's just a better way to live, and that's making ourselves sticky to the good things and slippery when we need to let things slide, slide, slide off of us like water off of a duck. Let's be benefit finders and fault forgetters. Let's be benefit finders and let's become fault forgetters. But as you're looking for ways to express your gratitude, never forget the greatest gift you can give anyone is your presence. To be truly present with them. What's, what's the good if you tell them thank you, but you're not even really just engaged there? Look them in the eyes. Stop for a second. Make sure, unless just in all of life, let's make sure our gratitude to, to people uh, really just is expressed through our, when we're with someone, we're with someone. Yes. 
Let's be present. Can I make it practical? Take the iPhone off the table. Take the iPhone off the table. I got an iPhone on my table. I don't know if you, if you noticed it the whole time it was sitting here. But according to the journal, listen to this, the journal of environment and behavior, there's something clinically proven called the iPhone effect, where the quality of a conversation is diminished by the presence of an iPhone. If you can see it. Now, I'm not saying on it. I'm not like I was preaching a sermon, but like, yeah, one second. No, point three is going to be great. Just give me just. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, I follow him. He, you probably don't because there's private accounts. No, it's good. Oh, let me be right with you. Oh, my gosh. That is so. Oh, wait. My industrial strength Velcro got delayed because of Hurricane Jose. Can you see? <laughs> oh, man, I needed to be here for this illustration. Just one second. Let me just finish this. Yeah, no, it's the president of the United States. No big deal. He texts me sometimes. It's cool. <laughs> right with you. No, no, you don't have to be on it. If it's just present, they say, it causes the person's ranking of your empathy to go down. It causes, in their opinion, the quality of the interaction to go down. And in every way, it's just diminished. They say there's something, once you can see your phone, called polyconsciousness. Polyconsciousness. I don't even know what that means, but I know poly means more than one or many or something like that. And conscious means like what you're aware of. So if the phone's in view, because we're on them so much, part of our consciousness, like even I'm talking to you, I'm like, I'll be with you in a second. I love you. I love you. I love you. Just stay right there. You. No, no, you hang up. No, you. I'll be right with you. You hang up, right? Polyconsciousness. So what you need to do is learn to take the iPhone off the table. And shut that iPhone effect off so that they know you're not glancing at the phone hoping that you get that call or get that text because it diminishes the interaction and makes you less present with them. Let's express our gratitude by being present with the people in our lives. Amen? All right, all right. It's so cool because all of this is going to help your relationships to feel, those in your relationships, to feel more appreciated. When you're expressing your gratitude to them, they're going to feel appreciated. But you're going to appreciate the relationship more because you're investing in it. Turns out that relationships are like checking accounts. There's more to be drawn upon if you are investing in them. And the only way for a relationship to grow in value is through appreciation. And that is a pun. Appreciation, appreciation, growing in value by appreciating people. You matter. I care about you. I'm thankful. I like that. You're awesome. I'm grateful for you. Don't know what I would do without you. I'm just telling you. And, and here's the greatest part of all. You're going to be changed along the way. It's going to change you. It's going to impact you to be living this way and to be fighting for gratitude, to be at the forefront of your mind and heart. Here's why. Because it's impossible to be grateful and miserable at the same time. Think about it. You can't be grateful and miserable at the same time. There's a lift that comes from gratitude. There's a lift that comes from gratitude. You're going to watch yourself be happier as you choose to live grateful. In fact, the study was done. They found if you journal, I don't know if you do or not, but if you take once a week the time to write down five things you're thankful for, just five, five things, I'm thankful for this, thankful for this, I'm thankful for this. They say your happiness, your perceived happiness increases by 25% just through that exercise alone. Not even writing the thank you note or sending the email, just you writing it down, you'll feel happier just when you choose to, to live a life 
that's more grateful. And what is it going to do to the relationships in your life? It's going to cause you to be more conscious of the good that's done, and you're going to choose to let some of the stuff go that you previously were putting such a heavy weight upon because you realize there's a negativity bias, and you're going to fight against it. Now, we're not saying everything's going to be all roses. There's never going to be fights. No, listen, table stakes for relationships is conflict. And we learned already we're going to do the hard things, right? We already, we already established that. So we just know that we need to fight harder for there to be even more acts of blessing and acts of kindness to compensate for the inevitable difficult things that are a part of being in relationship with someone. Well, how much do I need to compensate for any bad debt? Well, if you need kind of a number, they say the ratio is five to one. There needs to be five positive interactions for any one negative one. There's a psychologist and researcher and marriage counselor named Dr. John Gottman, and he is so like Jedi when it comes to watching people interact and telling the state of how their relationship is going. Supposedly, he can watch videotape of you and your spouse fight. He can watch a videotape of you guys work through a conflict or just interact in any way, not even meet you, not be in the room. And with a 94% success rate, be able to say whether or not you're going to make it as a marriage, divorced or or are they going to make it. Just by watching that tape, and 94% of the time, who he says goes on to get divorced, eventually, studies have shown, will get divorced. But it's not like he's just like got the, the Harry Potter wand or anything. He just watches how they interact, and he says it all boils down to the ratio between positive and negative interactions. What's a negative? What's a positive? I brought the little list that I found in the article I read. It's like from the Journal of Psychology. It, it said this. Uh, he measures anything uh, that, that registers as contempt, disgust, criticism, hostility, anger, dirty looks, rolling eyes, whining. Those are negative, Right. But then he says a positive is any kind of a display of affection, a smile, anything that registers a sympathy or a kind touch. Basically, it's, bo- it's body language and words that's good and that's bad. He says that, that those who get divorced, they have 0.8 to 1. That's the ratio. 0.8 uh, positive to 1 negative. And, and every time that he's right with 94% success rate, those who, that's their ratio, they go on to get divorced. He says those who, who are thriving, who are healthy, the, the, the goal to shoot for, that magic number is five to one. That there's five, even in difficult moments, there's, they're still smiling, you're still showing affection, you're still showing up, there's still that sympathy, there's still that empathy. You're like, okay, so every time I do five, I've earned me the right to say something negative. No, that's not the right way to think of it. You're not buying the right to be negative. You're just realizing there's already a negativity bias, and you have to work harder to offset. We got to show that kindness, show that grace, show that gratitude, show that love. Let it cover the multitude of sin. This is all stuff that's in the Bible. And as you're showing gratitude, might I recommend that you start with God, that we show him our gratitude, that we show him we're thankful for him, that we show him we love him first. I'm telling you, when you show God gratitude like you're meant to, it it releases a peace in your life that you can't get anywhere else. You just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for life. Thank you for love. Thank you for making me. Thank you for caring about me. You receive it? 
What an incredible message. Thank you so much for joining us in this teaching from Fresh Life Church. If while you're watching, you made a decision to follow Christ, first of all, congratulations. That is the best decision you will ever make. Um, We would love to send you a 21-day devotional through the book of John written by Pastor Levi. And all you have to do to get that is text the word Fresh Life to the number 99000. And you can register your decision online at freshlife.church by clicking the No God button. We would love to connect with you. If you've been impacted through what God is doing here at Fresh Life Church, we would love to hear from you. Go to our website and click the Share Your Story tab at freshlife.church, or you can email us at story at freshlife.church, and we would love to hear how God is moving and impacting your life through this work here at Fresh Life. These stories are not only an encouragement to our staff, but to our entire church family. And finally, if you'd like to partner with us financially and support the work that God is doing here in this house, you can give by texting the word FRESH to 45777 or you can click the Give button at our website, freshlife.church, or you can give on our Fresh Life app. Thanks so much for watching.